Hey, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, it's time. It's time for the best part of the day. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. You know, that's why you're here. And all you need is a copper mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, drink or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including America. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens right now. Join me. Mm, yep, yep. That's the good stuff. I'm pretty sure the founders of the country drank coffee. How else could they have pulled away from Great Britain? How else? Well, I'd like to start by playing a little uh, video Jack Murphy tweeted this morning. And I don't know if you'll be able to see it well, but you can see it on my Twitter feed and... Give me one word that describes the American Revolution better than any other word. Impossible. Impossible. The founders of this country set out to defeat the biggest military power of its day. And then did. How about the Wright brothers? How about going to the moon? How about Elon Musk? It's just one impossible thing after another. So when you watch the President of the United States, the person who is, according to all of the smart people, couldn't possibly do this thing, and then you watch him do it, first getting elected, the United States, about uh, shaking hands with Kim Jong-un. Black unemployment rate, another historic low. I got to say that even though that's my voice, <laughs> it's, it's not supposed to affect me, but boy, does it. I got to say. So that was kind of amazing. Um, you know, not so much my part of it, but the, the production of it. It was pretty amazing. So um, I'll let that... Let that sink in a little bit, because that feels good. So this is what I tweeted this morning, and here's how I feel as of today. I feel as though we the people have decided that we're going to get through 2020. And I think the republic is going to be intact. And here's why. Because we've decided. 
That's what feels different. I would say that even just a few weeks ago, I would have said to, said to you, gosh, I hope we get through 2020. Or I wish that things would get better. I, I sure am hoping that we can survive the year and you know, survive as a country. But I don't feel that anymore. Because there's a big difference between wanting something and deciding to get it. And I feel as though there's something about the approaching election that takes hundreds of years of American history and just makes us focus on it. Because the election is the time to remember the whole process. Right? The election isn't just about that day. The election is about hundreds of years of American history. And it seems to me that in a number of ways, it's becoming increasingly clear that the citizens of the United States, the 329 million of them who are on the sidelines watching the 1 million get crazy, I feel like the 329 million just sort of collectively and somewhat simultaneously said, okay, now we're, now we're, now we're going to get serious. Now we're going to just make it work. We're just going to make it work. It's going to be hard. There will be bruises. There will be casualties. Freedom isn't cheap. But the United States has decided... And there's a big difference between wanting something and deciding. And it feels as though the country has collectively decided. Here's here's some of the hints. Number one, we've noticed that uh, everywhere there seem to be pushes toward more seriousness about taking care of the street crime and the protests. You can see it in, I think it was... uh, uh, it was in Pennsylvania that first the, the penalties were increased. You saw the president increase the penalties on federal crimes against statues. And little by little, not in every place and not all at once, but you're seeing, uh, you're seeing also in Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, passing some or promoting some legislation to tighten uh, the, the penalties about protesting and protesting and doing something wrong, not just protesting. And so you're seeing everywhere the country just starting to tighten up a little bit. Just just tighten a little bit. While still giving people their freedom of speech. So that's one thing. Then we're, as we're talking about the courts getting packed and, uh, you know, which could actually be the end of the republic. You've, you've, uh, you've probably seen by now there's a video of Ruth Bader Ginsburg with, within the last year saying that packing the court would destroy the, could destroy the republic. That's Ruth Bader Ginsburg said recently that packing the court could destroy the republic. Now, to the degree that people respect her opinion, you'd think that would be pretty important. I don't believe we have heard Hillary Clinton support packing the court. Can somebody fact-check me on that? That's important. I don't believe we have seen Obama uh, recommend or even be in support of packing the court. Again, fact check me on this. We have not seen Joe Biden 
favor packing the court. And because of that, I feel as though it's not going to happen. You know, sure, the, the people on the left will talk, the pundits will talk, but if you don't have Obama, you don't have Hillary Clinton and her, her whole machine, and you don't have Joe Biden saying it, it's just not going to happen. So I don't think court packing is going to happen. I do think the economy is improving, just like you thought. I do think that with or without vaccines, we will get through this. And I do think that pretty much everything's going to be better in 2021. Pretty much everything. Um, here's some other things that are looking good. The, when the president uh, did his executive order about uh, making it, basically making it uh, illegal or banned to do critical race theory training in the government, apparently that executive order was bigger than you think. So it wasn't just banning critical race theory from being taught in the government. It also included the military. Maybe you knew that part, but here's the part maybe you didn't know it extended to contractors. <laughs> so anybody who wants to be a contractor and sell to the uh, government now has to apparently demonstrate or they can't be guilty of teaching critical race theory to their own employees. What does that do to the entire Fortune 500 who, who depends on the government, in many cases, for sales, So most of the Fortune 500 probably have something they're selling to the government. And if they're they're teaching critical race theory internally, they won't be able to sell to the government. That's a big deal. Let me tell you why this makes me feel good. You know, you're you're always worried about the slippery slope, right? And I I always tell you, yes, things do go, you know, in in a direction because there's inertia, yeah, and there's momentum and stuff. So, so things will overshoot the mark. But inevitably, before things go too completely crazy, there will be a, a force that pops up to stop it. I think this executive order was that force. Because I've never seen anything... I don't want to exaggerate. I've seen something cool before. But the, the power of this that the government of the United States just declared this thing literally illegal, basically. I don't know if it's technically illegal or what what the word would be. But the fact that critical race theory was sweeping the land and the, the president of the United States just said completely accurately, absolutely unambiguously correct, this is the most correct thing anybody's ever done. This is racist. It is scapegoats one group. And they actually use the word scapegoat. And when I saw that word, I said, that's it. That's the word. Because I felt like I, I wanted to call it racist. You know, I wanted to say, well, isn't this racist against white people? And then you get into the whole, can you be racist against the, the group that is considered the dominant culture for years, whatever. And I thought, you don't even need that word. You don't need the word racist. You can just say scapegoat. We don't live in a country where you can scapegoat one race. That, period. And 
I'm pretty sure that most people agree. There, you know, you've seen some evidence that the president's uh, likely support among black voters is sort of impossible to believe because we're seeing numbers like you know, 25 to 40 percent or whatever in that range of, of likely support from black voters. Do you even believe that? Does that sound possible? Because the, the, uh, the polls, especially Rasmussen, are very consistent about this. And I think the other polls show that it's historically high as well. Now, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. And it tells you that the craziness you're seeing in the news and on social media seems to be a little bit limited to the news and social media and people like me who watch the news too much. Right? So I feel as though this, little, this executive order against the critical race theory was so right and so timely and just so perfect. It was very American because, um, you know, we like a good fight. I don't mind the fact that critical race theory exists. I don't mind the fact that an argument was made because it's America, right? Freedom of speech, take your best shot. Everybody gets to take their best shot. The president just took his best shot. His best shot just eliminated your best shot. But that's how the system works. I I don't hate that. I don't mind the back and forth as long as you get a a productive outcome of that. So that's all good. Um, I feel as though we will be fine. So here's some more some weirdness. Uh, Michael Bloomberg has offered to pay the fines for felons in, uh, I guess, Florida, so that over 30,000 people will, will be able to vote because they would be prohibited from voting unless they paid their fines. So he's just going to pay all their fines. Now, of course... This raises the question, is this legal? <laughs> is, it, is it legal for a billionaire to basically buy votes if he's buying them indirectly? Because he's not saying, I'll pay your fine if you vote for Democrats. He's just saying, I have a feeling, I just have a feeling that most of you would vote Democrat. So maybe I'll give you the right to vote by paying off your fines. I don't know if that's legal. It's certainly on the borderline of legal, isn't it? Because it's one of those things where you say to yourself, okay, what if it's technically legal? He probably has some lawyers look into it. So he he probably has an argument at least. Uh, What if it's technically legal? Are you okay with it? Are you okay with it just because it's legal? Unfortunately, that's the system. We have to be okay with it because it's legal, if it's legal. But it's very close, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's legal-ish, or it, it's legal but it shouldn't be. You know, I, you could easily imagine a law being passed within the next year that says, you know, now that we've looked at it, maybe that shouldn't be legal. We'll see. And it, it, it could actually change the election. I have to wonder... How many, how many uh, convicted felons who don't pay fines also vote? I feel like it's not a good investment in terms of the number of people he's going to get to vote. Because really, 
that, that probably has to be the, the group least likely to vote. We'll see. It doesn't take many to change the result. Um, but it looks like uh, Matt Gates is asking for a criminal investigation, so we'll see. Um, so the big news today is the, the report from, I guess, Ron Johnson, etc., on uh, the Bidens. And the, I'm very uncomfortable with the accusations against the Bidens, but I want to be really clear so you know what I'm complaining about and what I'm not complaining about, okay? <laughs> Somebody says, wrong again, Scotty. Goodbye. You, you had three reasons to be blocked for saying wrong without a reason, for calling me Scotty, and for writing it in all caps. So if you were trying to get blocked, that was a home run. Three for three. All right, uh, so here's what makes me uncomfortable about the Biden report. Number one, it's a laundry list. What do I tell you about laundry lists? If somebody presents a laundry list, it's probably not legitimate. Because if there were one good, strong thing on the list, they would just lead with that one thing, because that's all you'd need. You wouldn't need the extras if you had one good one. So it does mean probably, you know, almost certainly, it, it means that some of the things on the list of badness or allegations, probably not so strong. But the list makes it look like, well, even if one of them's not real, you got all this other stuff. Okay, maybe the other one's not real too, but you still got some other stuff. Oh, we've run out of time. You see how that works? The list guarantees that you can't be defended because you just run out of time. You, you don't have enough room in a tweet. Nobody's going to read a whole article about it. If it's on TV, people just run out of time. So the list guarantees that you're guilty by accusation. I complain about this when they use it against Trump, and I'm not going to not complain about it if it gets used against Biden. All right? So I'm going to try to be consistent because I feel like there's, there's something useful in that in terms of a, you know, a, a lesson, if you will. And it reminds me very much of the Steele dossier. There's you know, Russian involvement. Uh, there's associations that look unsavory. There are things that look like they're unpleasant, possibly illegal, but we don't have proof or... You know, the, the, there's, there's some kind of fog, but it might not be smoke. It's just sort of this big, not quite sure what's true and what's not mess. Very steel dossier. Now, did karma require this to happen? Well, probably. <laughs> probably. You can't stop karma, right? The steel dossier probably made it easier for this to exist because it looks like a mirror of the steel, steel dossier. Did the steel dossier work? I would say it did, even though the, the you know, impeachment was not as successful in terms of removing him from office. I think it worked. As a political dirty trick, it totally worked. Um, and I think this will work as well. So it's effective. But let me give you an idea about um, what I have a problem with. 
So it's being described as he had associations that were problematic. Problematic. I actually have a chapter in this book behind me that says if somebody says something is problematic, it means they don't have a real reason. All right? Problematic is the word you use when you're trying to paint something as bad, but you don't have a reason. Because if you had a reason, you wouldn't say it's problematic. You'd say, it looks like somebody could die. It looks like it's expensive. Um, There's a risk here of something will fall apart. Those would be real reasons. His associations were problematic. That's close to a reason. That's a persuasive reason without a reason. Let me be clear about something before I go on. I think there's a lot to worry about in this report. I think Hunter Biden has lots to explain, as well as you know uh, Joe Biden. I do think they need to explain it. But, and, and it could well turn out that there's something there that's, that's terrible. But I think, I think you're going to find out that there's more information than what has been presented. And when you hear the more information, you might say to yourself, oh, that sounded a little different when I first heard it. Now, there's some things that might be true that just you don't care. There's some allegations about maybe he paid money to prostitutes or something like that. But what was that all about? I mean, if he was just paying for the service of prostitutes, I'm not sure I care, right? I mean, you can have your opinion on that. The legal system can do what the legal system needs to do to protect people. But I don't think it makes any difference to Joe Biden running for president. Now, the other stuff is, you know, somebody Russian gave him some money. But for what? Don't you sort of need to hear some details? (laughs) You know, is everybody who had a Russian connection therefore automatically, you know, dirty? Maybe. When When the vice president's son is involved, it's all sketchy looking. So I will admit, I will admit that it smells in every way that something can smell. Can we all agree on that? So you don't need to convince me, right? Stop trying to convince me that, that uh, Hunter Biden did some bad stuff. You don't need to convince me of that. I'm completely open to that. I, I see the same stuff you see. It looks dirty to me. But here's my problem with it. Would you want to be treated this way? As, a, as an American citizen even though you have a relationship to somebody who was elected official and might be again, you're not an elected official. Let, 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 me, let me try this on for a size. If, if this kind of a report came out about Don Jr., just some unrelated bunch of laundry list accusations, and he didn't have time or the ability to defend himself because of the same problem, you can't, just can't defend yourself against the laundry list, and it's foreign, and it's in another country, and it's people who are hard to get to, and if you interviewed them, there might be a language problem. You know, it's really hard to defend against this. Would you want these kind of accusations to be made public without the benefit of an actual crime being identified? That's the key. As far as I know, there is not an identified crime. If there were, I'd say, okay, that's fair. There's an identified crime. You know, still need their day in court, but that's fair. 
But I don't think there's an identified crime. There's only a, a strong suggestion that if you looked a little harder, you'd find one, or you'd find something you didn't like. I don't feel I would be comfortable if this had happened to Don Jr. So I'm going to use the same standard and say, it's, it's going to be effective. It'll work. Um, but I'm not sure I want to live in a country that would do this to a citizen, even as important as it is to the country. I just don't think that's a good enough reason to drag a citizen, a private citizen, even with a family connection, through the mud. So that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm aware that many of you will disagree with that, and I'm okay with that. All right. So I suppose we'll be digging into what these accusations are. I'll, I'll read you some of them. Uh, he, quote, formed significant and consistent financial relationships with the founder of Burisma. Okay, is that a crime? Uh, and his partners made millions of dollars from that association. Again, is that a crime? What, what is the crime that's being alleged? Because there aren't too many people at that level of you know, government or whatever who don't make money from their associations. That's sort of standard business, uh, even if it's dirty. All right, um, people have been involved in transactions. It's all, it's all this generic stuff. Um, sent funds to non-resident alien women in the United States who are citizens of Russia and Ukraine to have subsequently wired funds they have received from Hunter to individuals located in Russia and Ukraine. Doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. But don't you need to know a lot more about this before you decide that you're going to assassinate this guy in public? All right, so enough about that. Um, so there's uh, new information and new video about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. If you didn't see Tucker Carlson last night, it was really interesting. Um, so I didn't think there would be any more video about Kyle Rittenhouse, but there is. And the other information that we learn now from his attorneys is that there were four shots fired that are unaccounted for. In other words, four shots fired that didn't come from Kyle's rifle during the altercation. So it's possible that Kyle is not even the person who shot one of the people. I think he was. In all likelihood, he probably was in self-defense. But it turns out that when you know more about it, he is not just likely to be innocent, but he's likely to be closer to being a hero <laughs> than to be guilty. He's a little closer to being a hero because he, you know, he came with good intentions. He had his medical bag. He had training. His gun was to protect himself. He didn't use his gun until he really did have to. He even hired, he fired a couple of warning shots when he got chased down in the street. Before he fired at anybody, he fired two warning shots in the air, and they still kept coming. And they were armed, and they were trying to kill him. And so he, he killed one of them and shot the other one in the arm. But there's a larger point here. I feel as though it's becoming embarrassingly obvious that most of these high-profile pro uh, situations are fake. Or at least they're over-interpreted, I guess you could say. So here are the ones that I know of. Can you fact-check me on this? Uh, the, the officer who shot Michael Brown did not get charged because there was not evidence of a chargeable crime, correct? And that there were big riots about that. 
it's looking, based on CNN's reporting, that the Breonna Taylor situation is going to end with no murder charge. A horrible mistake and tragedy and probably the things that the police need to do differently, but it doesn't look as if this was anything but a horrible mistake. So it doesn't look like murder. So that's probably going to go that way. You've got the George Lloyd case, which in my opinion, now that we know he was full of fentanyl, probably those police will not be charged with murder, or they will not be guilty of murder. So that's not what it looked like. As I mentioned, the Kyle Rittenhouse situation looks like he's going to get off. I would be surprised if he didn't get off. And then the Jacob Blake situation, where the cop shot him seven times when he was allegedly reaching for a knife, in all likelihood, it's going to be shown that he was reaching for a knife. I don't think those cops will necessarily be guilty of murder. Again, there might be some police procedure thing that they didn't do right. I don't know. I'm no expert. But it feels like a pattern now, doesn't it? At what point do the protesters notice the pattern, or do they? Do they? Maybe they don't notice. Maybe their reality will continue to be that these, these were all... You know exactly what they thought, but I feel as though if enough of these turn out the same way, that the protesters are going to realize they've been taken. You know, it, you don't have to be fooled too many times before you say to yourself, uh, "Somebody is intentionally fooling me." One time after another. I mean, you could be pretty gullible, but if you get fooled one time after another and you realize it, you know, you you do figure out that you were fooled. Eventually, you're going to figure it out, right? Maybe we're getting close to that. Um, Have you ever wondered why there are no personal drones messing with the protesters? There have to be drones there, right? I don't know, you know, maybe police drones or whatever. But I'm I'm confused about why there is not like an army of private drones. They're at the very least trying to get photographs, but at the most. I feel like they could be dropping small payloads, <laughs> right? Uh, can a drone do that? Can, can you buy a personal drone that could drop a water balloon? It wouldn't have, it'd have to be something that's not too heavy, so maybe a water balloon is too heavy. But could you, could you do something that would uh, mark somebody? Could you, drop them, could you drop dye on them, for example? Could you spray them with some dye? And, like, if you see somebody commit a crime, could your drone come in and just, just spray them and then just back off so that it would be easier to catch them later? I don't know. I'm just, th- I'm just wondering how long the protests would go on before it just becomes obvious that the sky above them is going to start to get populated with drones for a variety of purposes. There might even, even be drones fighting drones. Who knows? I'm just... I'm just wondering what, what's going on in the sky above those protesters. Probably something. Probably. Um, there are additional cold cases being solved every day now. The numbers are starting to increase. And the reason these cold cases are getting solved is because of the new DNA technology, where they can find a family member. If they, if they have DNA, they can find a family member, and usually from genealogy or other databases. And then once they have a family member, it's pretty easy to figure out who the actual suspect is and then, and then find out it's really them. Uh, and this is 
a company that's behind these is Othram, and I've I've talked to the head of Othram, David Middleman, on on these periscopes before. But it's fun to actually watch these start to happen. So you're seeing just one cold case after another get solved. But here's here's the part I've mentioned this before. There are thousands and thousands of uh, unresolved rape uh, rape um, cases, I guess, in which they have DNA in what's called a, a rape kit. So that's the the term they use in in the business, I guess. So the rape kit has the DNA that that is from the perpetrator, but they don't have an identity. And if that person is not in the um, the criminal database, then they can't find them. Because the only database that the police can check under normal circumstances is criminals, at least in terms of DNA. But if you use Othram, private company, they can search DNA anywhere that it's available and available to them, and they can find a match. So you could, you could basically solve all of the, almost all, almost all of the unsolved rape cases that have DNA. Think about that. And you could do that really quickly. You would just need some kind of federal um, support. It probably requires, I don't know, might require something like a, like a, a funding or, or something. All right. Um, what else we got going on here? Well, those are the main things I wanted to talk about today. So um, look, at, look at what's going on in the world and ask yourself this. Are most of the people in the United States still in favor of being the United States? <laughs> and the answer is not just most, but overwhelmingly the citizens of the United States still want to be the United States. There are very few people who want to who want to destroy the system? Was it uh, what was the guy, uh, the ex CNN guy, who said that they need to burn down the system if if Ginsburg is replaced, going to burn burn the system or whatever? And everybody said, "Whoa, you've gone too far." But if you noticed that it's only the crazy, like fringy voices that are talking that way, it's not it's not America. And it's not even Democrats. It's just sort of some fringy people talking that way. You will be okay. One way or another, you're going to be okay. Now, I don't know. Uh, I do think that there's a high likelihood of the following. Certainly, there'll be um, ambiguities about who won. <laughs> there will definitely be some ambiguity about who won. But we will also have a functioning Supreme Court. And even though there will be a a conservative majority, I think everybody agrees it's going to happen now. Mitch McConnell is going to win. Trump is going to win. They have the votes. There will be be somebody on that seat. Uh, We'll have a functioning Supreme Court, and I think the country still respects the Supreme Court. And I think that they will sort it out. Rezla Aslan is the name of the person who said he wanted to burn it all down. I feel as though... People like that are trying to start something, meaning they're trying to get other people to chime in and say, yeah, yeah, we'll burn it all down. And I don't feel like that happened. 
I feel like instead people said, oh, that's a little too far. That's a little too far. Why don't you pull that back a little bit? How about pull that rhetoric back a little bit? So I'm not terribly worried about the future of the country. I think we're going to be fine. If you look at the history of the United States, which, by the way, is a really useful thing to do, is to remind yourself how often the United States looked like it was on the brink. You know, not just the Civil War. I mean, that was it seems like as big as you could get. But the, the Civil Rights Movement, the, you know, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. This stuff we're going through is not big compared to what the United States has solved in the past. We've solved, you know, everything from world wars to Spanish flus to, you know, Great Depressions, you know, Vietnam War. We've we've had assassinations of presidents. We've had 9-11. We've had terror attacks. We've been through a lot. And how, how do we do? Stronger. Stronger after every one of those things. Every time this country gets tested, we come out stronger. The, the current set of tests, while uh, impressively varied and large, you know, everything from pandemics to economies to you know, uh, yeah, protests in the street and Supreme Court drama, none of this, if you added it all together, it's not big. It's not big compared to the entire power of the United States. So remember, as long as we decide to be a country, we cannot be defeated. It's only if we decide, or we're not sure, if we decide not to, that's a problem. And if we're not sure, that's a problem. But we are sure, and you can almost feel it in the air. It's like the country has decided, okay, we, we let everybody speak, we let everybody vent, we listen to everybody, but now it's time to get serious. Now it's time to focus a few hundred years of American tradition and history and power and strength into one election, and no matter what happens in this election, we will sort it out. We will sort it out, and we will still have a republic, and we will be fine. Slaughter meter is at 200% and pinned. Unless something really big happens, really big, Trump will be re-elected. Um, and uh, that's where I think things are going, and I'm going to leave you with that, and I will talk to you tomorrow.